Hello everyone, we are back with another crypto catch up. My name's Ted and we are here with a very special guest. State your name, cuz. It's Pav. It's Pav. I'm back. What who are you again? Uh, I'm that guy that was here before you guys took over and Yeah, before made I started. Podcast better. Yeah, made it way better. Listening. <laughs> Listeners up and to the right, as always, when they hear my beautiful voice. Yep. No. The sultry sounds of Ted. No, that's not that true. Up. That's not true. We're we're very excited to have Pav back. Pav, what's been happening? Mate, I've had another child. Well, it didn't come out of me, thankfully. But look, <laughs> been going through the wars at home at the moment. I've got kid number three and, you know, it's a self-inflicted pain, but it's a, it's a pain that comes with a lot of love with it too. So that's something a little bit beautiful for everyone, hopefully. Congratulations. I'm also delirious and I don't know where I am. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that you haven't been getting any sleep at nah, all. And three hours max a night. And mate, it's starting to show. Tracks are starting to show. So. You are acting a little bit strange around the office. Yeah. I'm sorry I have to call you out on the forum, but yeah. It, it, no, a better place for them than just something needs to be done. <laughs> no, but yeah, I've, I've noticed the uh, the sneezes have gotten louder, you yeah. know, all the attributes of a, of a good dad. So. Well, yeah, I've leveled up to yeah the next level of dads. So, yeah. yeah the, the coughs, the sneezes, the clearing of the throat. Yeah. And now a couple of octaves lower. And then now I want to see you wearing DTs and a long sleeve rashing. Well, you go to the beach. Birkenstocks on order. So. Hey, I wear Birkenstocks. Oh, Ted. Yeah. Have you got a child? Maybe. Yeah, I just, just, just don't know about it. Yeah, no, yeah. Hope not. Um, <laughs> so, anyway. We're going to talk about markets, not about me. Anyway. Yeah, let's talk about the market. What are you What are you seeing at the moment? Look, it's been interesting. I have... Quite honestly, been a bit switched off to the world and a lot's happened, but not a lot's happened. I mean, we seem to be sort of rallying and falling in a quick succession. But I mean, I like to always in these sort of instances just zoom out. So, I mean, we are at key resistance at these levels on Bitcoin specifically. So we're at the April 2023 highs, June 2021 lows. You're basically waiting for the market to make a decision. You're waiting for the bulls or bears to show their hand. And in the past, that's never really happened unless there's been like a seismic volatility event. So be it to the upside or downside, usually you see like a big dip before you go higher or a big trip higher before going lower. So you're currently just in this range bound area. We're just seeing a lot of chop. So quite frustrating for a lot of people potentially just sort of half getting into the market and then getting chopped around or they're just still not interested but what I'm hoping is that there are some fundamental catalysts just around the corner that might help the market drive a consensus. So a bit of boring stuff. Wouldn't be a crypto catch up with some boring macro news. But um, yeah, we've got CPI this week in the US. We've got the FOMC coming in on the 27th of July as well. So there's a whole heap of metrics that happen before the actual rate meeting happens. So mm. CPI, like I just mentioned, there's PPI, which is more around like the producer's index. So what's it cost to make the goods? And then Usually that leads to the CPI, what's the cost of consumer to buy those goods and services, yep. et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see where that all sort of goes. There was some pretty positive news on the jobs front in the US, which I didn't dive too deep into, but essentially it blew out of the water. The expectations of how many new jobs enter the workforce last month in the US was double their expectations, like 470 odd thousand instead of 220 mm-hmm. or something of that nature. So that's really positive in terms of like when recession, like that whole sort of meme that's going around right now. Like if everyone's getting jobs and there's more jobs and recession is nothing but unemployment is one of the key metrics as well as obviously negative GDP growth, but like a real true this hurts recession is usually when people don't have a job. So it's been an interesting thing to sort of just watch bleed out. So what are you wanting to see the employment rate and the CPI at? Well, it's not what I want to see. It's like historically, whenever we've come out of a recession or even gone into a recession, I guess you'd have to do that first. Like you've had the two consecutive quarters with negative GDP growth, like there's that. 
but unemployment is like a key leading factor, like the labor force statistic that drives, you know, are we in or are we getting out of a recession? So in the past, it's got to double digits. Mm-hmm. So that hurts, obviously. Yeah. But that's kind of, uh, I guess, like the caveat, like we can't get out of this until a lot of pain has been felt. And that's been the tones from the Federal Reserve as well, their chairman, Jay Powell. So it may not happen. I mean, that's, that's my key takeaway from this. Like we may have had the worst of it in 2022. And this could be it or alternately, yeah, you know, we could be staring towards the end of this year, early next year, maybe some even more tighter policy and economic conditions. But I mean, doesn't seem to be any cracks showing right now that suggests that we're spiraling down anytime soon. But so there's no magic number when it comes to nah. unemployment or consumer price index. No. Nah. Okay. So you just want to see it. Nothing's magic, Ted, except uh, a full night's sleep. That's magical. Yeah. And uh, we all know that you haven't had that in a while. No, so, so no magic for me. I think if you talk to a couple of people, there's benchmarks that have those handy on me, but they're things that we've seen as a trend in previous market cycles. So, yep. yeah. Another one is like, if we want to look at that too, another one is bond yields. So the amount of investors earning returns in bond yields, usually that starts to keel over and go down. So we've got record recent high bond rates. So people lending their money to the government to get a steady guaranteed return. That's been raging. Have this is so boring, man. Well, you asked. You asked. We are a crypto podcast. People want to hear about AI, Pepe and Bob. This is why Chris Van. <laughs> this is why Chris Vanek was a was a crowd favorite before Bob crashed fifty percent after Chris mentioned it. Did no, really? I'm only yeah, I think it did. Oh wow, I'm only joking. These th- these things are super important. Well, they are because we won't get the Bob cycle, we won't get the Pepe cycle until all the stars align. And look, we're still probably quite a while away from that. But it, I mean, what you experience at this point in the market, if you look in a stick around, is the generational wealth sort of thing that everyone keeps going on about, like trying to DCA while you're moving to the upside in an emerging market like crypto. So if you look at anyone that invested in crypto in 2019, 2018, early 2020, they kind of built their position up. So then when the run did come, they were well and tidy and truly into profit. But, mm. you know, that's, that's I guess, we're trying to frame now, like, you know, are we bottoms for this bear market cycle? Like most likely, mm. but it's more a case of like, are we going to go from here, just whipsaw up or whipsaw down? I guess that's what everyone's trying to call right now. It's a bit hard. Yeah. Well, I feel like we've been saying it forever on the podcast, especially in the bear market, like dollar cost averaging is the is probably the most effective and safest investing strategy. That's boring. People want Bob. People want AI. Yeah. Well, dollar cost average into AI Pepe. <laughs> no, whatever you do, don't do that. <laughs> do that. I've actually got a cool little cool little chart here. So we have our new analytics pages on the SwiftX website provided by Into the Block, our friends at Into the Block. There's one here that shows like hodlers, cruisers, and traders. So hodlers is anyone who's held, in this case, Bitcoin for over a year. Mm. Cruisers is one to 12 months and traders is one day to 12 months. And over time, it shows that the number of hodlers, so wallets who hold Bitcoin for over 12 months steadily increases and hits new all-time highs leading into a new bull market. And then as the bull market, you know, those prices start to head upwards, people start selling off and we see a dip in that hodlers and then an increase in the number of traders. So it goes to show that, you know, dollar cost averaging is effective. And then once you make some decent profit, you start to sell off and take those profits. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we'll chuck it in the show notes, but this chart is looking very healthy as it has in previous cycles. And it looks like it's going to continue that trend if we are to see another bull market you know 
in the next couple of years, particularly surrounding the Bitcoin halving, which it typically does. Mm -hmm. So one to keep an eye on for sure. I know you've got a chart to show us as well. Well, it's pretty in the same vein. It's just that the adoption story for Bitcoin, like we all have seen enough in the news to probably be confident on that. But essentially, it's just to show. I'm not even going to talk too much about it. Like the amount of people that have a little amount to medium to large, so large being greater than one and medium being less than 0.1, it's all growing. We're still potentially, you know, staring down the recession barrel, like we were talking about earlier, but people are still buying Bitcoin. So the number of new addresses, people entering the market, the adoption story is still growing. And I guess that makes sense with all the ETF news and coverage that's been coming in. There's lots of good news lately, which is interesting, but so yeah, it's good stuff. And to what you said, yeah, like it seems, it, it's a bit of a complicated thing to get your head around to looking at this picture. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's the people that are holding long-term, like they're currently in that sort of phase of holding still, I guess they haven't started selling off yet, which is, yeah. which is good. Yeah. Cool. We'll also chuck another link in there. Uh, have you actually discussed it more in depth in that chart I was mentioning before mm -hmm. on the uh, Swiftdex Analysis Hub? So we'll chuck that in there so you get a detailed breakdown of that chart and just not looking at lines on a page, which can be quite confusing. But look, let's jump into the top movers of this week. I know you'll be happy with this. Solana leading the charge. Wait. On the seven-day chart, it's up 12%. So for those of you that don't know, Solana was actually involved in or was you know, listed by the SEC as being an unregistered security, mm -hmm. as were Polygon and Cardano and a number of- Yeah, there's a fair few of them. Number of, yeah, yeah. cryptos. And kind of after that, that announcement was made, Solana and Polygon and all these cryptos that were listed there were, were pretty much rinsed in yep. the market and lost a lot of value. And so it's good to see that, that it's made a bit of a comeback here. Same with Polygon. It's also in the top movers. But yeah, I guess we want to spotlight Solana a little bit today because I know you're a big fan. I'm also starting to get into the Solana ecosystem a bit yeah, myself. Right. So let's jump into it. So it's actually down 91% from its all-time high, which is back in the 2021 bull run. Mm -hmm. I think that was at 254 bucks. Yeah, about that. So and US, yeah, USD, yeah. yeah. Um, and now we're sitting at around 20 bucks. Yeah, that's after it's had its nice little run recently. So. It's still massively off that all-time high. Um, I'm not suggesting that it will ever reach that all-time high again, but I've got some stats here to show that activity and fundamentals on Solana are very strong, which just reflect positively on, well, should reflect positively in the future on its price, mm -hmm. on the price of Sol. So yeah, I guess Ethereum is the number one uh, layer one smart contract platform. Yeah. Um, it's dominated that space for a while. But it's my opinion that there can be more than one player in that space. And Solana represents a pretty solid alternative to Ethereum. And we've seen that, you know, it's, it's got strong activity. It's got the fourth highest number of developers out of any network. So you're looking at Ethereum has the most, then Polkadot, then Cosmos, and then Solana. Yep. So really strong developer activity. Also, its adoption is increasing. So a few projects like Helium and Render have started migrating to Solana from other networks. Oh, really? Yeah. And did you yeah, hear yeah. about that one? So, so big news there. Part of the criticism around Solana has been its downtime. Mm -hmm. And I think it's been down like 10 or so times in its history. Yep. Especially, especially during times of like high network activity. Yeah. And so I guess you could say it's struggled to scale. Yeah, that's been the problem with the ecosystem. It's because transactions are so cheap. A lot of people will just spam transactions that'll invariably crash it or there'll be because it is decentralized but the machinery requires a little bit more advanced and so not everyone can just run a node some of these nodes have upgrades that 
they yeah they just don't roll it out as effectively as well. So I'm interested to see what this this new update brings. Yeah. yeah so they've got a new infrastructure update called Financer, which name. makes yeah good name, good name, name. very catchy. Mm. Which aims to make Solana safer, faster, and reduce downtime. So obviously that sounds good on paper. Yeah. Whether they actually deliver on that, just we'll wait and see. But it's good to see that they're prioritizing that and they see that as a key issue to the you know the future of Solana. Mm-hmm. And lastly, I'll just highlight that they've launched their own smartphone. Which, yeah, the Saga. Yeah, the Saga, which has Web3 applications, which is cool because like when you think of crypto and blockchain, it's very intangible. Mm. A phone is tangible. It's a tangible thing that they're producing. And so you kind of get to understand a physical object that they've created and, you know, that is potentially going to get a lot of adoption. Yep. And so from my perspective, that's very cool. And I imagine it is for the listeners as well. Yeah. Another cool thing that's happening in that space, like I don't know the team or too much about it, but it's just something I have heard, a bit of an early peak, I guess. But, you know, you mentioned the other alternative is Ethereum, like that's where the mainstay and the, the majority of liquidity sort of sits. There is a project called Neon, which is looking to basically create a bridge between Solana and Ethereum. So, you know, should that be successful? Should it be safe? You're basically looking at a robust way potentially for the two layers to coexist and doesn't matter where you are, you'd be able to settle on both systems, which basically just opens up the roadmap for the project as well if it's successful. So that's pretty cool too. Very cool. So yeah, keep an eye on Solana over mm-hmm. the next sort of six to 12 months. Yep. I know I, full transparency, I picked up a little bag of Solana when it was at 15 bucks. Nice. And so far it's worked out for me. I'm not saying that, you know, anyone else should do that, but trade do your own research. Tr- yeah, trade a Ted. There you go. Um, please call me that from now on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Another thing I think just to call out is, yeah, FTX and Alameda and like their association with the Solana Foundation. So they were early backers back in the day, but a lot of people sort of put the price capitulation down to their impact. I think at the end of the day, there probably were assets that they had that they had to liquidate, which Solana more than likely was part of that portfolio. But the actual amount of soul that is, I guess, being allocated to those organizations, it's a linear unlock because they talked about, oh, well, they're just going to get all the Solana that they've ever received, which is millions and just dump it and it'll be worth nothing, right? Like that's kind of the narrative. But yeah, it's until September 2027, 2028. You know, there's a monthly allocation that gets unlocked from the Solana Foundation to Alameda Research to FTX Trading, which is now under administration anyway. So the ability to impact that supply in a great meaningful way, it's kind of been done and passed. Like everything from here is just a linear unlock. There are some full balance unlocks coming in 2025, I will say. So, I mean, between now and 2025, those big capitulation dumps that these guys have access to, they won't be able to sell off. Like we've basically seen whatever we were probably going to see in terms of a, a big sell off from those guys. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it just kind of prevents them from getting all the tokens they have and just selling off to just cover whatever they can. Diluting yeah, the price and whatever else to it. So yeah, there's no risk of that, at least in the short to medium term. Correct. Like whatever would have happens already happens. And like the next big ones basically March 2025 and between now and then it's just like little bits every month that I get unlocked and we've been observing it now in current price probably. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It was my impression that, you know, Solana was pretty heavily exposed to FTX, but uh, you explained to me a couple of weeks ago that no, it's actually not the case and it's not as bad as everyone makes it out to be. Yeah. So that's positive news, isn't it? It is. Cool. Mate, the one thing I did miss while I was away was a lot of this ETF news. I came back and it was just all I heard was BlackRock, BlackRock, BlackRock. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I think Larry Fink, who was the CEO of BlackRock, he was on the news the other day. Yeah. Big Larry. So CEO of BlackRock 
I had a bit of a change of heart when it comes to Bitcoin. So back in 2017, Laz labeled Bitcoin as an index of money laundering. And as we all know, when you speak against or you bet against Bitcoin or the crypto market, it usually comes back to bite you. Just ask Peter Schiff. Yeah, just ask him. Warren Buffett, I know he said Bitcoin is rat poison squared. I'm still yet to hear him yep. come out in support of Bitcoin, but you know, maybe before he dies, he'll uh, maybe his last words will be, Bitcoin. I love Bitcoin and always have. Sorry, Warren, I know you're listening. Uh, but yeah, so he's come out and said Bitcoin is essentially an international asset that could revolutionize finance. This obviously comes after BlackRock filed for the Bitcoin spot ETF. Yep. So I guess it would look a bit weird if he was not supporting Bitcoin despite filing for that. But it just goes to show like as time goes on and adoption increases and and people see like the use case and the benefit of these mm. of this technology and, and Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies that they start to adopt it and and see the light in it. Whereas before, I guess they didn't really give it a chance. And now they're like, oh, wow, this is actually a huge opportunity that we can't miss out on. Let's jump on it. And they're putting their companies, you know, these investment managers are putting their brands behind Bitcoin. They're all applying for Bitcoin ETFs. Yep. Like they have enough trust in it to put their entire brand and say, look, we want to file for this. We want to offer this to our investors. Mm. That's huge. It's going to be good for uh, the barbecues at Christmas time too, if this gets approved, you know. Oh, mate. If you get that auntie or uncle that just grills it, just look, look Larry says it's good. Mate, I've been avoiding the barbecues for a long time, <laughs> like probably like the last 18 months. Bitcoin has rejoiced. I think, I think this is the, I think I'm back this Christmas. I'm coming in hot as yeah. well. I'd say I'm telling them, I told you so, this is it. Yeah. I'm the king. Give me a sausage. Give me a sausage. <laughs> Oh, good. Anyway, yeah, it's in the same light. Yeah, Jake Clayton, former SEC chairman, he was just on CNBC the other day basically saying, well, if they've already approved an ETF that was linked to a futures market, which they have, there is currently a futures product, which is this is a spot product. It's hard for them to say no. So it's kind of like he's sort of saying, well, they've already accepted the risk by allowing that to exist currently. Um, mm -hmm. So the difference with this one is, in this instance, there isn't an exchange involved in the process as well. Um, and that was one of the remediations that recently got made, that there needed to be more transparency coming from Coinbase as a part of this application process and what mechanisms will exist for them to be transparent about how they generate price, how they generate custodialship. So all that's been re-amended and resubmitted as part of the latest news in the ETF world. But yeah, basically Clayton saying it's already signed, sealed, delivered type mm -hmm. of thing. Like it's going to be a when, not if it's yeah. going to happen. So that's... Yeah, I got to say, I, I prefer this Clayton bloke to Big Gary G. Uh, is he gone yet? That's one thing I haven't kept up with. No, no. There was a rumor that he was being forced out of the SEC and I think everyone was starting to, you know, book in their, their celebrations, but no, it was all uh, okay. It was all rumors and innuendo for the time being. Let's, you know, fingers crossed it does happen eventually. Thanks. But yeah, Clayton seems to have a lot more of a realistic point of view on, on Bitcoin and knows like this isn't going away anytime soon and- Yes, it should be regulated to some extent, but not by enforcement, by rules. Yeah. But I've got a quote here. He said he's, you know, I'm not sure if this is the exact quote, but he's been amazed at the adoption rate of Bitcoin, particularly in light of, of recent news about the Bitcoin ETFs. So it kind of sounds like he's in support of it. Mm. So Gary, take note, your big daddy, Clayton, <laughs> have a chat with him and uh, sit in a room and, and get him to work it out. sit you down. Just work it out. Last story here. So we've talked a bit about Bitcoin and, and other cryptos making a bit of a comeback recently. Unfortunately, the same cannot be said for NFTs. Some destroyed. Are, yeah, some are labeling it NFT winter at the moment. I think we've seen the lowest NFT sales and trading volume since June 2021. And if anyone remembers that, that was like kind of just when 
NFTs were starting to hit the market and take off and people were starting to learn a little bit about these things. I think it was even before Bought at Yacht Club were yeah, right. even in the mainstream. Yeah, okay. So blue chip collections have witnessed a sharp drop in floor prices. So we're talking about Bought at Yacht Club, CryptoPunks, those sorts of collections. I've got a graph here, which we'll chuck in the show notes. It's been absolutely rinsed here. And did you hear the news about Justin Bieber's Bored Ape Yacht Club that he bought? No, go on. So he bought a Bored Ape in probably like near the top of the market or yeah. then for, I think it was 1.4 million. Oh, God. And the value now is 59,000. Oh, jeez. So yeah, not the best investment for Juzzy Biebs. What do you think? Do you think NFTs are, or this style and this format of NFTs is here to stay or making a comeback or is it done? I was going to ask you the same question. You beat me to it. Um, I don't know that. I'd be pragmatic in the way I think about it. Like, I think if people want it, it's not what I want. If people want it, it'll come back, right? Mm. So there was always realistically going to be an NFT winter the same way there was a Bitcoin in winter, the same way there was an altcoin winter, mm. right? It's in the same category. It's not like it was immune to it. So it seems like if you were ever interested, now's likely the best time to start looking at it again. But I mean, that's not for me to say 100% what to do, but- yeah, it was always destined to happen at some stage. Like, you'd be silly yeah. not to think that these things could be back to where they started. It's just, I know there's like a lot of big NFT communities out there mm. who are still really excited about it. But See, that's never going to change, bro. Exactly. But overall, like the average man and their dog aren't really going to, you know, chuck an NFT. No, and that's what you should actually look at your portfolio and think, well, why am I buying this, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like saying, oh, there's a certain artist whose paintings and they are 20% down for whatever reason, like... Are you just going to all of a sudden go out and buy them? Like, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. I mean, it's easier from my perspective when you're looking at crypto, you're looking at the activity, the adoption, mm. the number of developers working on it. With NFTs, it's a little bit harder. Yep. You're not seeing venture capital, you're not seeing big institutions dive into NFTs at the moment. At least this style of NFTs, there might be like gaming and other sorts of projects that incorporate mm. NFTs, but just buying like, essentially the board eight JPEGs, which, you know, is, yep. I guess, the meme. Yeah. I think that's the main thing. Like, I know I spoke with Tommy before, or it could have been you too. Like, I don't think we've ever seen the the final state of NFTs. Not to say that there will be a final state, but like where people see value. So like, I think a good example is like what you kind of just touched there is like the gaming fire. Like when game fire comes alive. So there's a lot of these games that have been in production for quite a while now where they've got multiple levels and they're all about resource or item gathering and then you sell that on a marketplace. Like that's where NFTs may have purpose yep. again. Well, I wouldn't say have purpose again. I'd say they have purpose now, but you might see the next evolution of what an NFT means. Yeah. The same way like people used to sell gold in World of Warcraft. Like mm. now you might sell stuff that you farmed in some other game as an NFT on an open base marketplace. Yeah. Open world yeah. marketplace. No, I think there's got to be some sort of utility to make yeah. it valuable. And I don't know, Board Ape has their own metaverse with the the land sales and stuff. I have yeah. no idea what it's all about. But. And they've got the ape coin as well. So it, it is a big ecosystem. It's not just yep. the you know, the JPEGs. But if the people are always gonna come, like Man, it's just like crypto, right? Like crypto is around because people want to hang around. They believe in it. They want to build in it. They want to see this be like the utilization of, you know, wealth. And this is, I guess, a lot of forms like mm. membership, art, collectibles. Like mm. it's never going to stop if people want it. So yeah. Yeah. I was actually reading. So part of the reason for this, this big slump in the market for NFTs was because of Azuki NFTs. Have you heard of them? No, I haven't. No, I think if you saw them, you'd recognize them. Essentially, Azuki launched a new collection called Elementals, which has been accused by a lot of its community of being nearly identical to the original collection right. of their NFTs. So, like, I guess the negative word of mouth and the 
the negative sentiment around it caused people to start dumping their original Azuki right. collection NFTs, which led to a 63% crash in its floor price. Of, Jeez, I guess. So pretty rough. Like I was looking at them. The new ones look pretty cool, but I guess people are wanting more these days. Yeah. And so, yeah, that kind of started a little bit of a, a snowball effect on the whole market, considering they are one of the bigger collections out there. So, yeah, an interesting space to watch. Like, I've never really been massively into the NFTs. Like, I own a couple here and there just to kind of see how the process and how it all works. And yeah, I did it a bit in my last bull run. It was interesting, but I didn't hold a single one. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I'm not saying that, you know, any of these blue chips are dead, like the Bored Apes and the CryptoPunks. I think there is still runway for them, whether they reached the highs of the last bull market, because that was mm. ridiculous. That was. I'm not sure. But like you said, I think NFTs as a category have a you know a long way to go. Yep. They will be a, a huge kind of subsector of the crypto and blockchain industry. But I think that'll more morph into having utility in these NFTs within certain games or, you know, providing proof of ownership. Oh, yeah, yeah. As well. That'd be big, I think, especially with the advent of social media, like wanting to verify who you are. I think NFTs will get involved there in a bit yeah. more of a well, way. Web3 in general is all about yeah, yeah. owning your own media and owning your own content. So yeah. I guess NFTs are, are massive for that. And I think like they are in the best position to kind of transition into mm. that new, new web that we all see kind of morphing in the next sort of decade. So sorry if we kind of waffled on a little bit there. Yeah, it was a bit of a waffle, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. It was one that we kind of just went with on the fly and, <laughs> and gave our opinions, despite being probably on no a, one asked for them either. No, no, too well, bad. You got to. Yeah. Well, um, let us know if you hated that segment. <laughs> um, I know I did. <laughs> Look, before we finish off, Pav, I wanted to ask you: What is your current trading strategy over the next six months? You are the man, the myth, the legend, Pav Hundal. Tell everyone what you're doing, and I'm going to copy it. Like six months. I don't know. Six months is hard. I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens and then react, because I just think everyone who was looking for like a great price to get into crypto, like you probably missed the easiest entry, but it was at the hardest point, which is like December, January, and then again, just a few months ago. Man, like I've got my long-term positions. I'm not touching them. I might look to sell off if we get some really crazy move to the upside. That's kind of my thoughts there. I think the idea of dollar cost averaging still into the next bull run is something I'll be continuing to do. Yeah. I probably might start to favor some altcoins as we progress a little bit more as Bitcoin starts to maybe hit its realized current value. So let's say Bitcoin gets like 50, 60K, if it does, USD. 40K USD. Mm -hmm. Probably might look to sell some of that off and then start shopping for some altcoins, but I probably will wait. I probably will wait quite a while before I'd start doing that in any meaningful way. Right now, it's still the same game as always. Preserve your capital. Don't bet too big. The last thing you want to do is be holding underwater bags leading into like a generational sort of opportunity. Yeah. But I would just say right now, if you haven't been paying attention, the best thing you can do is just give it a little bit of your attention. Just make yourself a little bit aware of what's happening in the market right now and the whole macro space right now is just even fascinating just to watch like the, all these talks of recessions and no one knows what's happening. Interest rates keep going up. Mm. It's a time where it'd be irresponsible just not to be aware of just what's happening in the financial space right now, even if it's not crypto related. Yeah, next six months, I mean, that's about it. Might look to take some profits, but mm -hmm. yeah, to basically put it back in once there's any sort of opportunity. Yeah, I'm in a similar sort of boat. I'm focusing on the the blue chips, Bitcoin, yeah. Ethereum, yep. dollar cost averaging probably in the next two months. And then- Look to shop around for some altcoins as well, particularly in the categories I'm looking at are layer 1s, liquid yep. staking, layer 2s, and maybe some GameFi as well. Perfect. That's pretty still, much exactly right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, not to say that they will all have amazing successes, but mm. 
those are the ones that I'm seeing kind of trends forming around and, and a lot of activity involved in. So I'll be looking to to do some deep dives into those categories and really find or hope to find some profitable opportunities there. But we'll keep you updated on anything that we're sort of looking at deeply, mm-hmm. those for the listeners. And yeah, so just keep listening to the podcast and hopefully you get some good insight. Yeah, it'd be pretty fun. I think just might have to do like a little bit of a, you know, we've got footy tipping. We could do like a little bit of a crypto tipping yeah. every week. Yeah. Just do a little bit of a punt, see so who gets a point. I'm keen. And when I beat you, <laughs> I want you to call me the the trading guru. I'll tell you now. Okay, we can call you that now if you want. No, I want to earn it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, not given. Sounds good. All right. We might wrap it up there. Pav, have you got any closing thoughts? No. It's good to be back. Just good to be looking at crypto again quite heavily. And yeah, hopefully we get some value to the listeners sometime soon. If we didn't do it this time, we'll do it next time, I promise. Cool. No worries. Well, hopefully we have the original duo, Tommy and Pav, back next week. And I'll oh, just sense his case off, mate. You haven't done too bad a job. Oh, well, you know, thank you. We'll see. We'll see don't, how we go. Don't get too big fee boots, but at the same time. Oh, you know I already am. <laughs> you know I already am. All right. Thank you, guys. Hit us up with any questions on our socials. Also, go follow our new Threads account. If you haven't yeah, got, got out threads. threads, it's like Instagram's version of Twitter Threads. What do you um, think of it? I haven't really spent enough time to form a good opinion, but it looks the exact same as Twitter. Yeah, it does. Um, I've seen like, quite a few memes on it, so they're pretty funny, like the Zuck and Elon going at it. Oh, that, that's happening, right? It's rumored to be happening. I know the UFC wants to actually book it. I bet they do. And like, I heard the the Colosseum in Rome is like going to be the location. <laughs> I mean, like, can you imagine that? I, I would, I would freaking fly to Italy to get tickets to that. That would be incredible. That is a once in a lifetime opportunity. That's pretty good. But yeah, I guess whether it's in the ring or you know, <laughs> online with the new threads, Elon and Zuck are going at it toe-to-toe. Yeah. So watch the space. Yeah, watch the space indeed. All righty. We're going to shut up now. Yeah, um, sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon.